Albert Breer on NBC takes Boston leading up to the Patriots before the trade deadline. Take it away, Al. Right, like for the first time in a while, they're going to be in the seller category. And my understanding is they're really open to anything. They're going to listen on anyone. And I think there are three guys here that would really be in focus if you're another team. Three young guys the Patriots have failed to sign to extensions. And that's Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, and Michael Wainu. Those guys have not come close to doing extensions yet with the Patriots. If they feel like all they're going to get out of them is the 11 games left, then I think, you know, it makes sense for them to listen on those guys. Additionally, my understanding is they're going to be looking for third and fourth round picks. They just need players on the roster now. So the personnel department has been at work at that sort of thing over the last couple of weeks. And again, I think they're open to moving almost anyone on the roster at this point in an effort to build up draft capital so they can rebuild the guts of the roster in 2020. Does this guy know his stuff or what? And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yastrzemski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. Welcome to Entitled Town. John is here with Dan in the purvey of the sports drunk, Josh Scartelli. Uh, Mike on Route 1 is at a, a support group for supporters of Cooper Flag after in, uh, learning that he enrolled to go to Duke. Scartsy, the Patriots go down to Miami, the proverbial house of horrors last Sunday. They lose 31-17. to 17. I was thinking about the uh, John Malkovich and Rounders for a while in that game, hanging around, hanging around. But the officiating um, certainly didn't help. Probably weren't going to win that game as it was, but the officiating was pretty putrid. Uh, the Patriots just having problems stopping conversions on both sides of the ball. They were one for nine on third down, while the Dolphins uh, fared better, but also were three for three on fourth down. Kind of that stuff is a little bit backbreaking. The analytics, darling Mike McDaniel, that he is. Where are you at? A um, lot of injuries, born out for the season. Parker took the uh, the love tap, as explained by Arden Machuleta on the bar- broadcast. Uh, where are you at? Rest of the season, two and six. Is there a path to six and six? There's always a path to six and six, um, but it's it's not it's it's not been made any easier by the by the additional injuries. Fortunately, you know, just uh, you know, scouting ahead, they didn't uh, they didn't trade or they didn't have a fire sale at the trade deadline. But that was you know, this is this is me with my uh, you know red, white, and blue colored glasses on. But that. That had the potential to be a winnable game, I think, right up until that, you know, atrocious interception by Mac that just completely, uh, you know, sent sent the momentum all the way back into into Miami's uh, Miami sideline there, and uh, it was like you can't. Uh, I know that the uh, the you know the current uh, Calvin Ball rules are that you can't blame the officiating for anything that happens bad to right. the Patriots. But there was, and uh, oh boy, just just so many things that uh, that went wrong. I mean, that uh, whoever that uh, that meathead official was, fewer arm curls, more reading the rule book. <laughs> Dan, uh, but uh, uh, but uh, just 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 to uh, just to summarize there, they did not do enough to win. It wasn't it wasn't one of the two bury the ball games, but there was just not enough done to actually. <clears throat> be competitive during the game. And that was quite the, uh, 
it was quite the letdown after the uh, after the come from behind win the week before. So it's it, where the the frustration level is, you know, mm-hmm. ratcheting up again. I'm definitely with you there, Dan. What now? What do they do? They're two and six. They have winnable games on paper coming up. We've talked about the development aspect. They definitely need to see what they have with the quarterback. I got to admit, I'm not going to be authentic. I'm increasingly skeptical that he's going to be the guy. But uh, where are you? What what's next? What now? Uh, it's it's one game at a time territory. Although I, I guess it's always the case with Belichick. You know what's right. what's right in front of you. Um, in contrast to that Buffalo game, they it was they, they weren't complimentary. They uh, they need too many things to go their way, and and it looked like they had that at least with the you know the turnovers, especially not including the one that got taken away by the by the refs. Um, but you had they're they're just so hurt. They're just so disorganized. They're still trying to get everything together. Um, it, it, it was really tough watching all the third and longs turn into fourth and shorts, um, during that game. Very well, frustrating. It was, it was very frustrating. And just, we said it a lot, John, they, they step on their dicks continuously. They're not good enough to overcome those kind of mistakes. But the, the truth of the matter is, you know, our, is this, a, is it overreacting? There's been plenty of good Patriots teams that have gone down there and not played well against far inferior Miami teams, but where, where are you at? Yeah. I mean, if it, go back two weeks, if, if somebody had said to you, they're going to split the Buffalo and Miami games, and then they head into this stretch with the, the Washington Indianapolis and the giants, you know, would you've taken that? I would have taken it. I think most people would have taken a, a one and one uh, over the last two. The fact that they won the game against Buffalo and, and it, built that sort of enthusiasm, at least among the Bobos and Honks like us, uh, it does make the Miami game a little bit of a letdown. I mean, I'll say Miami's good. You know, they're, they're good. I, I've not been a real big fan of coach drip, but he's, <laughs> he's a pretty good play caller. And, um, you know, Tyreek Hill is arguably the most, you know, single hardest to stop, you know, non-quarterback in football. And, you know, with Waddle healthy, Tua healthy, that's a good team. Those are those are fragile guys, and will those guys stay healthy for the full season? Who knows? I mean, the Patriots may have caught some bad luck catching Miami early in the year as opposed to late in the year. But right now, as Miami is constituted, they look like the best team in the division. So, you know, the Patriots hung very, very tough with them twice. I mean, this was a 24-17 game. The defense comes on the field, and they just can't get that stop. I mean, to Dan's point... They had Miami in a lot of third downs. Uh, many of them became fourth and shorts. They were very, very good at converting those. They're a hard team to stop in that situation. You know, on that on that drive where Miami uh, went back up by 14, you know, they had uh, they had them in a third and nine. And, you know, yeah. Tyreek Hill catches a nine-yard pass, and it's a first down. I mean, it's like that, right? It's that sort of thing. And, you know, I'll make one last point. You're right. Nobody nobody ever holds a bake sale for the Patriots on, play, on officiating. And the officiating obviously had its moments. The pass interference on J.C. Jackson in the first half that enabled Miami to get their second touchdown was uh, even Scott Van Pelt thought that was a horrible call. But I will say this in Bill Belichick's press conference after the Buffalo win, the very first immediate question was on the defensive pass interference the Patriots benefited from in their last touchdown drive. So, you know, the Patriots will, you know, Belichick will get asked about, you know, the calls that benefit them, but 
you know, woe to any Patriot fan or, or you know, somebody affiliated with the team who complains about the officiating because then you're just making excuses. The flag for the illegal man downfield getting picked up in Miami one week after mm. the, the flag got picked up in Foxborough on the swing pass that Stevens getting picked up, that paid $2.10. You could see that one coming more than Mac telegraphing a pass down the left sideline. John, what's, what is the status of your uh, real estate on the uh, Mac Island? <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm comfortably stretching out on one of my many condos that are on the market. I'm trying to keep mortgage rates below 8%. Uh, for, for folks that want to join me on Mac Island, yeah, I think he's played, okay, the, again, like the Buffalo game, he had that really bad interception. Miami, that was a bad interception, right? It's like that one mistake, but I, I know St. Tom, um, of the six Super Bowl championships never made a mistake. Uh, you know, he did, right? Like, guys, it's you're throwing the ball 40 times a game. Uh, invariably, you're going to make a mistake. Mac, Mac is paying for his mistakes, it seems. He's not getting away with them. Um, I was watching, was it Super Bowl uh, 19, the the Niners? Miami and Niners. Or 22, whatever it was. The, the second time the Niners played the Bengals, the John Taylor, um, uh, you know, touchdown to win it. But that game went back and forth. It was like 13-13 or something, very low-scoring game. Um, the the touchdown that the Niners scored before the Taylor touchdown that I think tied it at 13, that's the, that's the touchdown where right before Montana throws it to Rice um, for the touchdown in the flat on the left, he throws it into, uh, you know, what is it, Lewis Billups? Lewis Billups' hands, mm -hmm. and he drops it. Um you know, that ball was right in his hands. I mean, that was like, that was a Rache Caldwell level drop, right? That was worse than Asante Samuel, right? That was right there. Completely changes the game for the Bengals. And, you know, so even the great Joe Montana will have the occasional brain fart. It's, it is a hard position to play. Mac is not perfect. Do you see the trend line getting better though? I do. Uh, do you well, think that's, that's what the rest of the season is for, right? Right. Well, and, and, and again, look, they're coming up. I mean, okay, if he feasts against Washington, it doesn't matter, Collar, uh, because they're without, you know, the great Montez Sweat, who you never heard of until, you know, yesterday, and uh, Chase Young, right? Like, it doesn't matter how much they beat up on Washington because that's, a, that's a, a weakened team. Then they have the Colts, then they have the Giants. I mean, even if he goes 3-0 and in this stretch, I don't think people are going to give him enough credit. But that's exactly what he needs. He needs a run like that to get some confidence, get increasing the familiarity with the, the Bill O'Brien system and what they're trying to do. I, I, I like what I'm seeing. It's not perfect, but it feels like it's moving in the right direction. Dan, the, I mentioned earlier the injuries that to the wide receiver, the depth is, is going to be tested. Um, probably, you know, we're going to be the honks and the bobos. Spin this. They're going to have a really, really good chance to look at the young guys. Davis is going to get... Um, a chance Thornton and Butte. So, I mean, that's throw them in the water, see if they can swim. You're going to ask me about my stock on Mac. Go for it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to worry about his or wonder about his vision at this point. And, and I'm starting to look at college quarterbacks, <laughs> although I, I, I want the guy to prove himself so that they can not, you know, use that pick on a, on a tackle instead. But uh, yeah, there, there's some times where we've, we've talked about the mitigating circumstances of the line and the injuries and, and maybe the receivers aren't open, but I'm seeing sometimes where it looks like he's got the time and he's still not seeing, you know, uh, uh, Parker breaking free over the middle on the slant, things like that. So 
Uh, as far as the receivers, yeah, play, play, play the kids. Play the kids, um, Doc. That's right. For that matter, I I don't know why the uh you know, why the tight ends weren't involved more in the first half. Just uh, I know that the you know the wide receivers were you know nominally healthy. You know they weren't you know all concussed or you know minus an important ligament in their knee, but they they seemed to have some some effectiveness uh, during the second half. You know bringing the uh, bringing the tight ends into the game, but I suppose it could have been you know matchup related. Because there are a lot of uh, you know a lot of dolphins that uh, went out of the game too. Because uh, if you were on your couch watching the game, you saw there were a lot of uh, TV timeouts for injuries. Yeah, that's 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 correct, Scarcelli. Offense across, I think the maybe the Dolphins stand out. I don't know where they stand in terms of historical DVOA. I know they laid seventy on Denver, but offense around the league is is really struggled this year, and it's been some speculation that the penalties are up a little bit. As the NFL wants to boost scoring. Um, Scott, just to wrap this up, uh, what's the status? Uh, where are you at with uh, your condo, your offer on the condos on Mac Island? Well, I'm a, you know, well, just because the, uh, you know, just because all the lumber for the uh, Mac condos phase two burned in a fire and that, you know, they did some <laughs> ground testing and there's just a tiny bit of dioxins and uh, PCBs in the soil. <laughs> Doesn't mean that you know things can't improve in the in the near run, and uh, you know I, I I hope someday to uh, wear a uh, you know wear a Mac Jones jersey in public without being you know ridiculed. <laughs> uh, that's all I want in life. Is that is, is that too much for a man to want to ask for? Jeez. All right, let's not belabor the Mac Island thing, but I this. This uh, happened on Wednesday. Dan Orlovsky, former Lions quarterback and former University of Connecticut quarterback. I think Scartelli, our friend two times, we're up contractually obligated to our friend two times to say that Dan Orlovsky is the worst thing ever to happen to the University of Connecticut, and they've graduated a serial killer. So this is Dan Orlovsky on the uh, largely unnistened to Jones and Mego show, letting slip details of, of text messages he shared uh, or she's been involved with with Mac Jones. You did volunteer last week that you you text Mac uh, at least intermittently throughout the year with some advice. Is that something you you commonly do with a lot of quarterbacks in the league, or is that something specific to him? Um, if I have a relationship with them, um, sometimes I think the ones who try the ones who uh, I have. I've had people or I've had guys that like reach out to me and ask for it, you know, that have said, Hey, you see anything um, that I'm doing well or doing bad? Like, let me know all that. So I've had people who ask, you know, guys who maybe I have previous relationship with Swift that I've, that have asked me for it. Was it Mac um, one I've of those? had guys that I just, uh, Mac had reached out a while back and, and kind of had said, Hey, if you, if you see anything good or bad, you know, let me know, please. So if you see something, um, say something. <laughs> Like in the yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're at TSA. So, and I've had I've had situations where I, you know, hit guys up and share thoughts or whatnot. Or, or honestly, like I remember with Patrick, I want to say two or three years ago, just because out of out of respect, I, you know, did a whole thing, and I thought Patrick's mechanics were in a terrible place, and I had reached out to him in, on social and said, like, hey, just I've given you a heads up. I'm doing my job. Um, and I want to let you know that I'm doing this before it goes on television type of thing. So um, stuff like that. But John, I think you're hearing that audio for the first time. What's your impressions of, of that audio with Arlovsky? Never mind 
him letting the world know that he's friends with quote unquote Patrick. And we'll get to Scartelli in a moment for what those conversations entail. Yeah, I, I am hearing it for the first time. And I guess like I'm bothered that Orlovsky would betray what should be a kind of a professional level of trust uh, between Mac and, and him. If they're, you know, if Mac is reaching out to a guy like Orlovsky, who for whatever reason he respects, or, you know, he sees him on TV, maybe assumes he does a lot of film study and, has a degree of fluency that could be helpful to Mac. Like, I don't have a problem with Mac reaching out to a guy like that. I got, and I don't, I frankly, I don't think it's like particularly noteworthy or scandalous. Um, but I do think it says something about Orlovsky that he would be name dropping like that. You know, his good friend Patrick as well, getting thrown under the bus here. Um, you know, it's like, I don't know, have a degree of like professional courtesy and pride to keep those conversations private. I mean, and then, you know, his I did see on Twitter the exchange he had with somebody, which I thought was great, um, where that 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 Twitter user was kind of dragging Orlovsky here. And Orlovsky's kind of defending Mac. It's like he wasn't no, getting Mac, the point. He wasn't getting the point. Mac isn't the problem here, Dan. It's it's, you know, the fact that you're like betraying a confidence. And why would why would any athlete trust you that you're going to go on local sports radio and name drop that? that that athlete is reaching out to you for advice. And the fact that, you know, I can, I can understand his ignorance that the, the Jones and Migo show is a, is a nonstop trolling operation. And it's only going to use this to, to make Mac look bad. Of course, he's ignorant of that because, you know, it's 17th in the rankings uh, in Boston radio. Why would Dan Orlovsky know anything about this show or that station? Um, You know, even if he went to Connecticut, I doubt he knows anything about that show. So I can forgive him that, but it's it's really just a discourteous professional move to name drop like that. He responded twice to our uh, podcast Twitter account saying different versions of I see it differently. I see it as a player who strives to get better in any way he can. I see it as a great thing for him. And of course, you tried to drag out of his own. Can't you see this is a betrayal of trust? And for a guy who wants to be an offensive coordinator uh, in the NFL, doesn't seem like it's a way to show that you're trustworthy in that way. Uh, Scarty, any opinion on that? I mean, the 15th place radio station, John, let's make sure we give them proper credit. Scarty, <laughs> is there a path to 14th place for Jones? He seems to think so. If you, if you watch the video and chances are, there's more people who saw the video on the, uh, on the Twitter than uh, heard it on the, uh, heard it on the radio live. He, you know, the Jonesy has this, you know, big smug smile on his face hearing this news because this means that, you know, Mac went uh, crying for help to someone else. And that's just that's just terrible. And uh, it's 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 bad on both ends, like uh, the or- Orlovsky, you know, betraying betraying a trust like this and and Mac for, you know, going to Orlovsky for whatever reason. This is a guy whose, you know, career highlight or low light, to be more precise, is, you know, running out of the end zone on a scramble during, you know, you know, looking like Jake in Boston fleeing from greenery. Very, very similar, very similar footwork. And it's just this is not the person you want to go to to be fixing mental mistakes. So uh, uh, it's just that's what I mean by, you know dioxins it's cancerous it's so agreed, it, 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 it's it's bad for everyone agreed dan your thoughts 
That's the first time I've heard this too. And and I heard something a little bit different. I think it's all in the framing because I can hear Jones trying to frame it like, oh, you know, he's here's here's Mac having having issues. And so uh against his coach's wishes, he's going to you to try to help him out. Whereas Orlando that was what's that was actually leaked last year. The Patriots coaching staff was pissed off that he was going outside the building for help. Yeah. So that's that's going to be the spin on this. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. way they're spinning it. But the way Orlovsky described it, I mean, didn't Orlovsky kind of have relationships with a lot of quarterbacks going back to when they were in college and didn't just just through his position? I thought there was something like that. The way he framed it here made it sound like, well, if you see anything good or bad, let me know. That doesn't sound very specific like, hey, I'm having problems here. What do you see? I'm, I'm, it sounds like something that predated anything of this year and now Orlowski's just using it as a name drop like John said well I don't and, think and by the way Mike I wouldn't I wouldn't assume that the the story from last year if it's if it's true um that there was some some schism with Mac going outside the building for help I wouldn't assume it's Orlowski you know if if what Orlowski <laughs> right I wouldn't like for real like I, if, if what Orlowski right. said is true that's a good you know, point hey you know Mac reached out texted said you know if you see anything say anything whatever you know like is that what they the team got mad about no I would suspect that there was probably something more substantive than that you know like you know he's going to an actual quarterback coach or he's he's working with somebody on the side on his mechanics or something I I don't think you know if if you know, Adam Jones thinks he has this big scoop. You know, this is this is the 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 issue from last year, the texting, you know, buddy texting with Orlovsky. Like it's it's probably not even that. Well, right. here's here's where I sit on it. I think it's a dick move, first of all. When did he bring up name drop Mac Jones and his affiliation with him? After Mac Jones's best game, arguably as a member of the Patriots. Then Mac throws up a not so much great great game the next week. And then he name drops Patrick Mahomes. It's self-serving. That's all it is. Great point. That's Mike. why I love you. That's why I love you. You <laughs> always go. You always go straight to the heart of it. You know, it's it's there's a there's a disloyalty to your friends there that that uh, that I'm hearing you say. It's, and I agree it's completely you. self-serving. It's it's it, that's yeah. all it is. It's completely self-serving. All right. Well, I'm not going to waste all my anger bullets on that one. But Dan Olafsky, yeah, there's more to, to come. That's that. It's an absolute. It's an absolute shitball move, um, but we did want to. We did have this discussion. Uh, we wanted to have this discussion regarding the trade deadline. Uh, John, you, you brought up in the uh, in our group message chat um, the difference between the baseball baseball world looking at assets and the football trade deadline. So, wh- where did you want to take this discussion? Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and I was looking at it was some rando Twitter comment, uh, dogging Belichick and dogging the Patriots um, on how they managed assets, right? And you know, he looked like somebody who follows like the Red Sox Red Sox stats account, and you know, likes every single one of his tweets, right? Um, just complete like you know, aspiring GM who's stuck, you know, doing whatever he's doing, working next to Cam and Taunton probably, and it's. Like his framing of it was the Patriots not acting at the trade deadline is is mismanaging assets as if, you know, this is Heim Bloom, uh, you know, not making a deal at the deadline. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't let that sort of baseball thinking permeate football. It's a very, very different sport. The rosters are very different. The contracts are very, very different. And, you know, like take Michael Lowenu, for example. Right. You know, OK, 
whether they re-sign him or not, if they could trade a Wenyu for a fifth round pick um, or lose him for nothing in baseball world, you know, certainly that's something that you want to consider. If you're, let's assume that you're, you're giving up on the season and, you know, building for the future, you, you, you swap out your left fielder. It doesn't really, doesn't really hurt anything. You know, you put somebody else in left field, you bring up somebody from AAA and, and you're good to go. Right. Whether it's Greenfield but, or a Greenwell or Romine, right. Exactly. Or Zupsic, right? right. You know, right. it's like, you know, the, but when you like, if you view him as one of your five best offensive linemen, right. And of course the Patriots offensive line is playing better, you know, with him on the field to take him out of the mix and replace him with, I don't know, like some rando that you're picking up off the street or somebody off the practice squad, you know, the entire operation is affected. You know, Mac Jones is affected. The the wide receivers are affected. The other Snowball linemen are effect. affected. You know, it's, it's it, you can't just take your asset like it's this like tangible good that doesn't affect the rest of the whole and move on from it and not think the other things you want to accomplish this season aren't affected. And like I just I just think it's like this weird like you can't let that sort of baseball individuality permeate the the football operation which is much more of a collective you know 11 people who you know have to move together and and support one another in their specific job so that the whole is successful and i don't know it's just it's one of those like little things i feel like these these you know not to be like all you know x gen x boomer type but like younger folks who think they're savvy and are employing that sort of terminology they are really missing the bigger picture and stuff like that bothers me. What's the, what's the larger objective for the rest of this year, right? You want to stockpile middle round draft picks. I mean, it's one thing if you're the, the Washington commanders, Dan, and you're dealing a second round, are you getting a second round pick for a guy that's not, not going to be in your plans moving forward, man, to be a bears from must really suck, but your thoughts on the <laughs> trade deadline um, in the NFL and, and John's point. I think there's a collective boredom. I think you get the same sort of thing that happens around free agency. You get this happening here too, where the attitude is do something, you know, I don't care what it is, just do something. So I couldn't understand why people are like, Oh, well, you know, let's, let's, let's get rid of Uche for a fourth round pick. And you come around draft time and you don't give a damn about fourth round picks. So don't go tell me this. The one guy that I, and this is somebody that we, we lambaste regularly, but I heard Phil Perry actually make a decent point last week, right? Which was about how the Patriots look to be players in free agency this coming off season. So if you got guys in their contract year and they end up going full bore in, in, in free agency, you might lose Uche and you won't get any uh, comp picks for him because it would be offset by whoever you picked up with right. those high picks. That one made sense to me. It's like, okay. But then I heard him and uh, Curran in the latest, their latest pod, and he's a total hypocrite because he used the same thing where after Belichick didn't do what he wanted them to do, you know, trade trade away Uche for picks, trade away, you know, Duggar for picks. Um, he used it to make a case of how probably Robert Kraft is looking at those seats and looking at the rest of the uh, rest of the season. And, and we want to have our best players out there. And, and so he would, Belichick would come under close scrutiny from Bob Kraft. Hey, what are you doing? Looking at trade one, our best players when that was the thing that Perry just asked him to do a week earlier. 
I don't think with any most of those guys, I won't impugn all of them. I don't think with most of those guys, there's any intellectual honesty. It's all about the take. It's all about the next trolling content. Uh, Scott, any thoughts on the NFL trade deadline regarding the Patriots? Were you surprised that the Patriots didn't make any trades? Because I certainly wasn't. Um, just the fact that you, most of the uh, most of the local press corps was the the meme of the guy poking something with a stick. Come on, mm-hmm. do something to uh, <laughs> just you know just get that on the old Untitled Town bingo card. Yeah. Just uh, just you know describing a meme always always good uh, always good podcast. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised because we know that Bill listens to the media, and he did this just to spite them. You know, Andy he's Hart's much more interested. In, exactly, right. he's he's much more interested in you know, getting the uh, win record, than the, in winning games, which is you know some other crazy thing that I keep on hearing nowadays, which yeah. which just I, I I can't wrap my brain around. Apparently, they're supposed to. I think I think think the idea is that they're supposed to just just go full Kursk tank on this now, lose all lose all the rest of the game so they can you know just go 20 and 0 for the next uh, two seasons and then he can you know duck boat on out of here uh, yes because uh, tanking works so well remember how well the uh, you know the Ollie Lux kid did in uh, Indianapolis <laughs> trade all the have a fire sale all fix <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah i just add to Scarcy's point as long as they're going 20 and 0 with a new coach you know i think they've they've uh, right. exposed themselves uh pretty pretty openly um they, they are dreaming literally the word uh, one of those idiots used you know my dream scenario is that bill belichick is no longer the head coach uh, of this team right so you know i i saw it as as very contrived naturally um you know trade talent stockpile meaningless you know late round picks lose more games increase the heat and hopefully get fired you know wishing wishing that into existence hoping that they would trade competent players uh for for picks and oh by the way if they're stuck with bill belichick for one more year they can point back to the fifth round pick they got for duger or you know when you or or you know uche who doesn't make the team or, you know, it ends up on the practice squad the whole year and talk about how they traded Cal Duger, who's, you know, having success somewhere else for this worthless fifth round pick that is stuck on the practice squad. I mean, it's, you know, rinse, wash, repeat sort of thing. And, you know, everything, everything to me is, is wrapped up in the context of they want Bill Belichick fired. He makes their life harder, if not miserable, they'll take anybody behind door number two to replace him at this point. And, you know, they are all banging any sort of drum that helps move in that direction. And unfortunately, is somebody in the Kraft family going to fall for it in the next year or so? I don't know. That's the big open question for me. Right on cue, Ben Volan tweeted on Wednesday, dream scenario for the 2024 Patriots. Head coach, Mike Rabel. Offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels. Defensive coordinator, Mayo. Front office, Casario, Ziegler, Groh, and Wolf. Why would the Texans get rid of Casario when he's, he's in the process of, of building a, a pretty good team there? But Mittens, gonna Mittens, and that'll never not be the case. Dan, um, I think that leads us into next uh, regarding this Bill Belichick coaching tree. Uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler um, were let go from were, from the Vegas Raiders after 25 games. You kind of see it coming Monday night. They were kind of a dead team walking. Um, 
a lot's been made of the Belichick coaching tree. Um, it's funny that Dayball, Brian Dayball, the Giants is is either on or off depending on what the most recent result the Giants have had. And Ozzie Newsom is never left or never included. So, uh, your thoughts on the, the the Belichick coaching tree narrative that's starting to be uh, exhumed once again by media. Yeah, and Frabel kind of goes off and on depending on how well he's doing right. too, right? Um, I, I by the way, going back to that Volan thing, I think it's funny how Volan wants all Belichick guys except for Belichick, right? It's, What's yeah. up? Well, what, what was the rule you had about Volan that we were discussing? Am oh. I am I revealing anti? Uh, <laughs> I'm pulling my no, own Orlovsky no. stuff here about how we're talking about. There's a Volan rule. It's like, well, it, and and then the most had trolling to be... argument in the most idiotic manner. Yeah, well, it, it, that one had to do with his uh, the way he was going to uh, read into who le- leaked the contract details, and oh, it yeah. was it was the most uh, callous. And self-serving way you could. So for Belichick, it was it was to let Kraft know that hey, you still owe me money. And if it was Kraft, it's to, it's for them to say hey, look, we've got Mike Vrabel here, right here that I'm whispering into your into his ear. So what I was thinking is that I think that's just how Volan looks at the world. So he's just projecting his callous nature onto everybody else. But no, he's there. It's more malicious than that. Every everything, the Volan rule is if he can eke out one negative thing about the Patriots and whatever he writes, he'll find it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Correct. John, your thoughts on the uh, this the coaching tree narrative? And I, I just found the text, Dan. Is I had the Volan rule. The Volan rule is pure antagonism. If there's something negative about the Patriots to be found, he'll find it. Uh, John, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the the coaching tree stuff comes up every year. Last year, you know, Kevin O'Connell had no connection to Bill Belichick, was barely in Foxborough for a cup of coffee, right? You know, and, uh, but now, you know, the Vikings But Cliff Kingsbury was on it. Oh, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury. And, and yeah, so it's, it's, it it is, it is, I actually kind of find it funny because it's a, it's like a standard trope for mediates to like, you know, hot stove baseball. Like we're old enough to remember when Nesson would air hot stove baseball games in the winter, right? You know, Clemens's 20 strikeout performance against the Mariners, you know, will be on Friday night on Nesson in December. And, um, you know, it's like this, this can like that, part of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that part of the year where, um, you know, they'll, they'll drag this out because something, you know, to me, it's kind of a testament to Belichick's greatness and longevity. Like how many coaches have been around, you know, with one program for that long, where they have this coaching tree that has so many different permutations and, you know, look, coaches get hired to get fired. So yeah, everybody on the coach on the Belichick coaching tree is going to get fired maybe multiple times. And, you know, that's just the way it is. So, you know, whatever. I mean, mediates are going to mediate, as you said, with Volan. Volan's going to Volan. Mediates going to mediate. And, uh, you know, Dan's boy, Phil Perry, I just got to say, boys with him, <laughs> he uh you know he was also one who quickly came out when the the belichick extension came out thanks to ian rapaport you know the non-patriots writer who had the story leaving all the patriots writers to scramble on john it's never the, the local story. guys the local guys it's never, never no no it's never well, we got a rule for that guys. too <laughs> the, the rule is this if it's if it's chef the rule is this if it's Schefter, it's bill if it's rapaport it's Jonathan. If there's no scoop, it's the other guys. It's the local guys. Yeah. It's the local. <laughs> if it's if it's if it's made up, conjured out of thin air. But but Perry was was one of those guys first out of the box, just naturally assuming that Belichick leaked it. And I, you know, I still 
you know, don't understand why you would think that unless you're always operating in bad faith that right. like everything is assigned to some sort of nefarious Bill Belichick move, which Spoiler, pretty much they does are. explain pretty much explains all of them, right? Dan, we're going to go back to you regarding the coaching tree. I I think you have to look. Uh, if you're looking for where he's made his mark is with coaches, I it's it's tough to look at at the NFL where owners have such little patience. I mean, come on, eight how how many months? You know, he basically went a year and a half and and get gets rid of uh, gets rid of McDaniel's already. But I, I I think you have to look at the college game where you know he's he's got Saban and he's got Hill and he's got uh Ferentz and he's got uh, uh Brett uh is it Belisma and in, in at Illinois yeah. Belima these are all the, I, I consider those guys all part of the tree and in college where you have a little bit more control a little bit more power to develop your program and put your signature on a team than in the pros where you're subject to the whims not only of the owner but you're usually uh saddled with uh, a GM who may or may not uh, do well by you. Scott, see, to, to wrap up this discussion on the coaching tree, um, anyone ever mentioned Vince Lombardi in his coaching tree with regards to his legacy? By the way, NBC Sports Boston busted out John Tomasi this week to discuss the Patriots' legacy in print. Let marinate on that one for a second. Oh, God. Oh, sure. There's so, Lombardi's coaching trees. tree, Shula's coaching tree, which includes. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger, who is great at the University of Miami, much like uh, Nick Saban's been great at Alabama. And Shula's two idiot sons never won anything. So uh, wrap this up, Scott, Scott on, the co- on this coaching tree nonsense. All right. We got deciduous trees, and you have coniferous <laughs> trees. And you've got shoe trees, and you've got dollar trees, and you've got family trees. But there's no such damn thing as a coaching tree. So stop trying to, (laughs) there's no, there's no sale on that. You can't buy a coaching tree at the dollar tree is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There there it is. The final word on the coaching trees. I have a, uh, a couple of emails. Um, Brad in Dedham wants to know if we, if John, if you had one wish, I'm going to get everybody's thoughts on this. If you could remove Travis Kelsey or both the Mannings from your commercial TV viewing for the rest of your life, who would you pick and why? Oh man, at this point, at this point, I have to go with Kelsey. It's a, let's call it like a, an active player recency bias. Uh, I, I do find, I mean, I, I think I, I saw something with Eli Manning and I was like, oh man, that dude, he does kind of grow on you, right? Like I, I will never really get over as a fan losing that game. I'm sorry, I'm muting. I can't have you talk positively about Eli Manning. I'm sorry about that. So, John, continue. Continue just without the Eli Manning bullshit. Come on. <laughs> so, but Kelsey, Kel, okay, so Kelsey and, like, the whole Taylor Swift thing, like, I I mean, I, I confess, I really don't know a lot about what's going on with that because I'm not paying much attention to it. But, man, he is getting he is getting slammed down our throats in a Manning sort of way. So, I think the the email is is great because it's like, ugh, you know, which, you know, do you want the do you want AIDS or do you want a stroke, right? Like it's <laughs> either way, it, it sucks. Um, but the recency bias on Kelsey, I mean, I think he's he's kind of a, I don't know, he's kind of like um, the Mannings. I think leaned into their gooberness, and Kelsey's a goober who's not leaning into his gooberness. I don't know. That's that's kind of how I'm seeing it. I'll watch the Manning cast occasionally. If only because I just really can't stand the Monday Night Football broadcast very much. But mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, I'll tell I'll you can take Kelsey off my TV forever and I he'll never be missed. Dan, any opinion? Did did he specify Eli or was he saying both? Manning? I think it's the Manning. It was yeah, the Manning and both. the Kelsey the, the Kelseys. See, I think I think Peyton's good in commercials. I think he's pretty funny. I think he's the Tom Brady of commercials. <laughs> oh wow! His, his SNL skit was terrific. Scott, I will say I'll, the, ahead, the, the Manning okay. cast though. Like I've I've caught the Manning cast a couple times, and it's again it, it's kind of grown on me a little bit. I think I'm getting soft in my old age. It's fine. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna vouch for it because you sh- one should never vouch. If there's anything I've learned in five years of doing this, it's to never vouch. But you know, it's fine. Uh, Scarzi, your opinion? Oh, all the Mannings, Eli <laughs> and uh, Peyton and Big Cooper. Arch and Little Arch and uh, Cooper. You know, they're they're you know blood bag Cooper there that they use for you know <laughs> used for his spleen and his, organs. Uh, you know his kidney. He was used for spare parts. You can tell. There's a meanness to him that comes out. But so yeah, but then and, and Kelsey. I do like the uh, you know two things at once course because it reminds me of Office Space. <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. So uh, Vinny sent in a couple of emails as well. Vinny, we hit uh, we hit most of your points just in the course of our normal conversation. But uh, Vinny's last email, I'll just go around to the panel very quickly. Uh, if you could re-sign one, John, who would you re-sign on when you Duggar or Uche? Oh, I got to go with when you. I got to start with the line. You know, I just. I feel like if you're going to go in with Mac for another year or two, right, uh, whether you're looking at extending him or, you know, picking up his option, whatever you're going to do, that line, ha- you can't, you, 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 he's just not a guy who is like creating a lot with his feet like some of these other guys are. Mm-hmm. So you have to get that line set. Uh, stability on the line uh, would be where I would start. So it's, it's a good question. Uh, it would probably, it would go a when you Duggar and, uh, and Uche would be my order for that. Dan. Yeah, yeah it's got to be on Wenu first. Um, you can't it's you can't lose your good offensive lineman. And it's it's tough to it, you can't do it in free agency. You're paying a premium if you do it out in free mm-hmm. agency. It's with drafting, you have to develop them. You've already got a guy that that's good, develop, keep him over the others if you had to yep. choose. But then yes, Duggar next. I'll turn my uh, chair in the, in the same way. Scarzi, how about you? Oh, no, the laser level is dead straight accurate on this. <laughs> and the, the, right, right in that order. I think uh, I think the first uh, first bunch of games have shown how important line play is. Agreed. Uh, really quickly, just want to hit on some uh, qu- quick hitters before we go. John, the Patriots Twitter account quote tweeted uh, a 98.5 The Sports Hub of Marconi Award announcements and congratulated them. Uh, after you threw up, uh, what were your thoughts? Oh, I, I kept throwing. Is there up. a that bigger bunch of is there a bigger bunch of cucks than the Patriots social media oh, departments it. that don't reside I, 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 other than the Milwaukee yeah. cuck on ninety eight five? I, I hate them. I hate I hate the fact that they are so such wimps and they have allowed this. You know the the narrative around the Patriots going back to Tomasi, right? The die was cast with basically letting him off the hook. And, and I'm sure he faced some degree of like, you know, whatever. I'm sure it felt punitive at, at the time, but you just said, you know, Tomasi is still in this market, still employed. And, and he was has, promoted when right, he left the, the Herald. The, the, the degree of like, you know, credibility that he's retained uh, among, let's say the, the average to low information voter um, 
it's it's disgusting and they have allowed this and they play patty cake with these guys uh you know and while they're slandering the team you know the official radio station of the team is 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 dragging their quarterback right making up you know bullshit songs about you know whatever and and then within the same month of that you know garbage on mac jones within the same month the official twitter account for the team is congratulating them on the meaningless award they won i mean it's like they have no like it bothers me as a fan and as a as like a an adult to care about that stuff more than the team like team should absolutely defend their players from those sorts of like you know kind of like just awful gross attacks and they don't do a good enough job of it why should i care more than the team right like i asked myself that question and i at some point i won't um but yeah. at the moment i do stacy james what is it you do here aaron yeah. Rodgers went on the pat mcafee show a couple of weeks ago and cited the taping of the rims practice as fact once again mm-hmm. so scarty right. crafty bob did a bang up job stopping the rhetoric didn't he very much so uh oh yeah and uh Dame Damashek had a tweet, you know, referencing the uh, practices being videotaped, again, talking about how terrible the Patriots are without Brady. But, of course, he's a uh, Steelers fan, so he can be, you know, ignored, (laughs) which would be best. But uh, I will, I will, you know, I will eke out, I will, you know, carve out a tiny exception if the if the tweet was done by some uh, some 19 year old uh, social media intern that's uh, doing it for credit at Emerson college or some such thing. But like you say, the fact that uh, who even knows what a Marconi award is, <laughs> except for the fact that uh, they say that they win them every now and again, I know that the big show won a Marconi. So that should tell you <laughs> something or another that that should, you know, that, <laughs> that needs to be entered into evidence, I suppose. Scarcy, I can appreciate, you know, that it is probably like you say, it probably is a social media intern that's doing this. But Dan, I would argue it's institutional at this point. Stacey James has done dick for more than a decade. Crafty Bob rolled over and showed uh, Goodell his belly. And they they laugh and mock him at every turn. Is it's this You're is thinking what of parts of leads. Asia. That's right. This that's is a, what leads my that was a cheap shot, but I took it anyway. Okay, I'm done in, I'm done interrupting. I love you for it anyway, Scartilli. I think Jonathan do all the hiring of the original media guys on on just just the just in their own house that where where they were uh I want to know who Greenlight and Andy Hart getting on there. You, good example, right? Right. Example A. Scarts, you're uh, excuse me, Dan, you're the kind of the uh the uh, professor emeritus of, of all things spygate and stuff i mean this is it's it, like john said it's maddening they do not they never punch back that way yeah um, maybe they felt after the uh um the wells report in context it was oh god it was fruitless but yeah after after time there's there's too much to fight back against conventional wisdoms like cement out over time it hardens no, yeah, but yeah, I, I hear you on that. It is really hard to unwind a narrative like that. And to go back and and say they should have been better, you know, 15 years ago. I mean, I mean, that's not money more than quarterbacking, because I think a lot of folks were saying that at the time. But even like, you know, the point on the on the 19-year-old intern at Emerson who put that tweet up, but it's still up, right? It's still up. Like yeah, I don't care isn't. that it went up. I, I care that it's still up. So is there no institutional control? Is there any adult in the room who says, whoa, whoa, whoa? Like those guys were just slandering Mac Jones and now we're congratulating him. 
I mean, uh, the Marconi Award is is I mean, it's no Ron Hobson Media Good Guy Award, but it's it's something, right? Is. Like, you know, it's yeah. it's the, the, it's just this kind of I don't know. They they like I said, they don't seem to care it, that you know Patriots fans like are left defending the team, and the 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 team as an institution doesn't defend itself, you know. And the, it's and to Dan's point, you know, hardening cement. The cement gets reported every day. I mean, their right. their official radio station is slandering them. You know, the 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 Patriots.com ought to be like an over the top Pravda for the team, right? They ought to lean in on the fact that it is always sunshine and unicorns uh, at Patriot Place, right? They ought to you know embrace that and dare local media to take that on. I mean, the the freaking Red Sox have the Boston Globe, which is virtually never dragging them yeah i need right? you Anything to do your herald rant here i need you to do it uh, yeah i mean it's i like i said i you know me i said many many years ago when that when the herald was available for couch cushion change Kraft should have bought it turned it into what john henry has got with the with the red Sox and the globe right it ought to been you know andrew callahan could be replaced by uh you know chat gpt and they should be churning out positive <laughs> right positive articles on the Patriots modeled after, you know, Pravda in the 1950s, right? It ought to be like that. And nobody would miss, like nobody's not reading the Herald because it's pro-Patriot chat GPT versus Andrew Callahan. I mean, no, nobody would know the difference except the coverage of the team would be more positive. And it's, you know, it, we're not we're not losing anything with one extra, uh, we're not gaining anything with one extra negative Patriots beat writer. It would be nice to have somebody who's like all in in support of the team. Here's Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show on October 24th. But you still got to execute it. It's like when the New England filled the walkthrough, the walkthrough of what Carolina or the Rams, one of those years, right? In Super Bowl? Yep. Like, what is that actually? Yep. Yep. No pushback at all. It's absolutely maddening. I mean, yep, this goes it was back- both of them, Aaron. <laughs> That's what they think. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's, let me it, ask you a question. It never stops. What, it never stops. Go ahead, Dan. Never stops. Uh, what realistically would have happened had they sued the Herald back in 2007, 2008, when the I guess 2008 when the when the Tomasi story came out? What realistically would have been the end game of that? Well, I'll start on this one. I don't think the end game at that point is is that first of all you're just going to stand up for yourself. You're not going to allow yourself to be slandered, covered fairly. They were okay with the ESPN apology at 2 a.m. Eastern time for ESPN reporting that it has done this fact. It's it's more of setting a precedent that you're not going to roll. Yeah. You know, again, this is probably naively I'm saying this in my point. It just it galls me to allow this misinformation to be weaponized against them time and again. I, I do sure. think they it's could have something... gotten you know a dollar in uh, in damages, and yes. I'd have been happy just that they uh, would have proven that uh, this guy just completely made up a made up the story. Yep, I, I I totally agree with that. It's not about the money from the Herald. It's about you know the proverbial where do I go to get my reputation back, right? Uh, the that's that's what happened. Their reputation was tarnished. Bill Belichick's reputation was tarnished. Everything the team has accomplished. Uh, Tom Brady's reputation was tarnished. You had people around the team, you know, when it got to the Brady Spygate stuff uh, that are, you know, ostensibly huge Pats fans, but 
saying Tom should just give in and there's a legacy of cheating with the Patriots. I mean, everybody got dragged down by this. And and if you were to say to me, man, you know, we had no idea this thing would live on the way it did. I'd say, OK, well, that's a little naive, but I guess I can understand that. That's about the best the best explanation I could I could ask for here. They should have gone to the mattresses on this and defended their coach and defended their franchise. And they didn't. And now they're paying the price for it in the court of public opinion. And you have every kind of like, you know, barely plugged in national writer and commentator and and blogger and podcaster like, you know, Damashek, you mentioned, you know, they just they believe this shit because it's been out there for so long. And now it's impossible to roll it back. It is literally, you know, King Canute trying to stop the tide. Right. You just can't stop it. But, man, I just I wish in the here and now when it's the the Jim Murray shit with uh, dragging Matt Jones, man, I wish they would do more than just quietly tell them don't air that spot again. Right. You know, that's that's all that happened. And, and Jim Murray is now the adult in the room. It's not worth fighting over. Yeah, it's not worth fighting over. What? Oh, Stacey James really dropped his balls on the table and said, if you air that again, there's going to be consequences. Right. I mean, is that that's probably what happened. You're probably right on that one. It's yeah. it's puzzling at best to me, and it you know it causes me to do more than a little bit of Cleveland shaking. But uh, let's start to to wrap this up on a little bit more of a positive note. Scartelli, you want to talk about a guy with zero pride and just dances for his dinner? Greg Bedard going into the ninety-eight-five Sports Clan Studios dressed as the Abdow's big boy and a lot just. Wow. I mean, I just when you don't think they can stop stoop any lower, they proved me wrong. I uh I saw that he said he was open to doing that when some, you know, some yo-yo sent a uh, Photoshop picture of him in a uh in a big boy costume with the uh, checkered overalls and uh all that. But to actually show up and do that. That that's not we have, you know, we have just, you know, just all sorts of evidence that he is not a person who is a good sport and will take things yeah. to heart. I think I think the fact that, you know, he has still got his, you know, got his heels dug in on the on the uh, Gronkowski <laughs> draft draft uh, draft tweet there. It's just uh, it's just amazing that he thinks that this will, you know. I, I I can't understand any sort of goodwill that could have been brought up by doing that. It just uh, it just shows that, like you say, he's you know, he's dancing for quarters or Splenda. It's one of the two. Splenda. Yes. John, did you have any thoughts on Bedard? No, uh, I mean, Bedard no, humiliating himself. Honestly, like as as much as it's so easy to drag him, I'm looking at it and I'm like. There's like a pity. Does anybody? Am I the only one? No, no, there's not. Like team no, mom. There's not. No. Okay. All right. No. This is where I go full team mom, and you guys, I lose everybody. Um, I, I just, I kind of pity it, to be honest. You know, I just, it, I don't, I don't even want to laugh at him on that one. It's so like over the top, a self kind of like deprecating. You know, I just, ugh, you know, there. I like to Dan. What I like to imagine is I like to imagine Bedard confronting Aaron Hernandez wearing the Abdow's big boy outfit. And that's how it didn't escalate any further. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now we can find some humor in it. it, it, it I, it's, 
the thing the thing that bothers me like on his behalf i guess in a pity sort of way it's like it'd be one thing to dress up like that and take your kids around for halloween but to dress up like that and go into that studio when you know like they're laughing at you greg right and now you're like that that's not being a good sport that's like dude you still aren't in on the joke right you're like i feel bad for him in that respect but again that's my team mom side I that's guess I'm Bob Craft real... being told, you know, next year you can sit at the cool table. That's mm -hmm. right. That's yeah, right. It's very similar. I guess I'm not going to end on too much of a, an uplifting note because I I have to bring this up. Um, hockey player Adam Johnson, former Pittsburgh Penguin Adam Johnson, was killed when a skate uh, crossed, uh, cut his jugular vein in a, in a hockey mm -hmm. game in England in the past week. It's obviously a terrible tragedy. Chris Curtis, who if you don't think he's the worst person in the world, he continues to try to make a case for himself to be the worst, to be the worst person in the world went on the Greg Hill show. It's bad enough. I think Jermaine Wiggins is an idiot on that show. And I, you know, an he's idiotic an idiot off the show too. <laughs> Just to be fair, an idiotic take can happen because you can be colossally stupid as I pointed out time again, but this audio that, that Chris Curtis, this is Chris Curtis's first thought to try to make a joke about this is just it's pretty reprehensible if you hadn't heard it here it is i watched it unfortunately like five times yesterday yeah wow. I, I wanted to skate to the neck when mac threw that pick oh <laughs> well i mean that's what a full of yucks huh john what what a disgusting yeah. person yeah that's 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 terrible how but, does I he mean, still have a job after the mean kind shit him plowing an intern and now this I mean, where's Chad Finn? I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, and I'm not. But it's 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 just galling. It is a useless industry filled with vile people. Yeah, it's that's I'll mic, mic drop. I'm good. Somebody right. somebody dies, and your your first thought is to make a joke about it. I mean, that's that's scum. Like that's that's like Felger with the the pitcher. Oh, Roy, yep. the Roy Halladay moment. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. going for one of the lowest all time moments. Right on uh, Boston Sports Radio, Scartelli. Boston Sports Radio. It's it's kind of we've had or I've had uh, with Dave some uh, local Seattle guys on the show here who are you know they're they're nice enough guys. They do inoffensive sports radio. It's nice to listen to in the car. And it's between Tony Maserati's racist racist jokes and this shit. I mean, there's not there's there's not a worse market for sports in the country for my dollar. Sports media, I should say. What's wrong with liking the teams that that happen to be in the geographic area where you broadcast? There, there could be some money to be made in that. I don't know. Maybe maybe that way the stock doesn't get you know down into the penny, the pennies value. Oh, I actually want to give a Ted Nation round of applause. Odyssey stock was delisted this week, so well done, Chris mm -hmm. Curtis. Well done. Yeah. All right. So couldn't happen Chris. to a better product. Yeah. Fuck Chris Curtis. And if you listen to WEEI, and not many of you are, uh, you're part of the problem. Um, where are we going next here, gentlemen? Uh, quick last thoughts, last yeah. things. Uh, go for it, John. All right. Well, hey, I gotta, I've been meaning to give a shout out to Scartsy, actually, with his immaculate squids, which is <laughs> one of the highlights on Twitter. Uh, and, and all the folks, I got to give a shout out to all the folks. I'm looking at a couple of the threads here, and I see... You know, at pain didn't hurt. I see the real NAOP. I mean, the people that are doing this are just cracking me up. I love seeing it. Uh, it we talked oh. about Immaculate Grid, and and obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of that. But the Immaculate Squids was brilliant, and uh, 
keep it coming. Oh, uh, I cannot, it's, it's I cannot take a lot of full credit. I can barely take partial credit for it. <laughs> it is all our old friend uh, Buckner's legs. The BSJ <laughs> subscriber tractor, one of the greats. BSJ subscriber tractor. He's the guy who comes up with the uh, comes up with the grid every uh, every Sunday and gets it to me for Monday, and That's it's great. just so much fun. And it, we've got that over at the with the junk drawer is just part of the uh, the expansive uh, the thing that we've got going on over at the 15 net.com right now. We've the also intern got on the, the street stuff is brilliant as well. Oh, uh, we <laughs> hope to do more of that. We've got some we've got some things planned. Football cats NFL picks has been uh, has <laughs> 10 been, and five, <laughs> 10 and 10, five, 10 and five, which is good for anyone, let alone a cat. <laughs> and so and, you know, if uh only uh, you know not enough not enough people clicked on it and you could be driving around in you know expensive automobiles now if you had uh, you know if you had taken football cat's advice and hopefully football cat will you know has rounding into form so football cat comes out on thursdays or fridays or occasionally saturdays the junk drawer is on uh, on wednesdays and the and and uh, and the uh and the immaculate squids, as we said, comes out on Monday. So head over to the site if uh, if you haven't. And uh, and again, thank you, thank you for enjoying all the uh, all the all the great stuff that the entire that the entire fifteen netcom provides. Look at this goddamn navel gazing among us, Jesus Christ! Well done, well done. <laughs> top notch, Scarzi's top notch. My quick final thought uh, has to do with this from Monday night. Mustarinen, a box. Snapshot. A generous bounce. Pavel Zaka scores. Pavel Zaka. Jack Edwards almost sped his speech up enough to convey that he was excited. There, Pavel Zaka scored in overtime against the Panthers uh, in the Garden on Monday. Uh, it's not going to erase the results of Game Seven from last year. But after falling behind two to nothing in that game at home, coming back to get the two points in overtime was fantastic and there was a i would admit i pumped my fist a little bit more than normal watching that game so well done by the bruins and we're set up for another hopefully fantastic entertaining um winter sports teams i'm sorry i'm sorry i can't i still will never stop laughing at you becoming such a hockey krishna in your old age you you 16 year old you doesn't even recognize does not even recognize this. Guy. What was his name? Jacob's Pavel, Pavel Zaka. Pavel Krishna. Pavel. <laughs> I, Peter Hockey Krishna. Peter, is he? Is he? Did he flee? Is he born in '85? He fled the the Soviet Czech Republic era. I mean, who are who are they? I don't even know who these guys are. But you're John, like he in. punctured the it's pudding just, in the net and potted a lovely wrister to win the game. Exactly. Potted a lovely oh, did he, wrister. Did he? Did he Lordy. beat Norm? He he beat Norm Foster skate side or stick side or whatever it is. I mean. Anyway, sixteen-year-old you does not even know who this person is. That's all I gotta say. By the grace of Rick Middleton, let the, the good good things continue. <laughs> Scarty, do you have any final thoughts? Oh no, no, no! I I cede my time to the uh, to all the uh, to all my fellow senators here. All right. Well, I want to discuss uh, Cleon Daskalaskis's Bruins career next before my final thought. Uh, Dan, your final thought. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this University of Michigan Spygate thing. Mm. And, and and as we established, I'm the Spygate guy here. I've 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 combed through endless articles and podcasts and radio shows, columns and panel shows about the subject from 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 mainstream writers like Peter King to total crackpots like Brian O'Leary. 
uh, collecting <laughs> everything I possibly could on the subject. And then when Deflategate came around, I did the exact same thing, uh, uh, reading all the aforementioned as, as well as the entirety of the Wells Report, the entirety of the American Enterprise Institute Report, and the Wells Report in context, and, you know, all the goddamn physics. <laughs> so when this story came around, this of stealing signals in college football, regardless of my desire to take down a Harbaugh, I, I really didn't have the energy for it. Uh, but but here's the basic gist. College football, much like the NFL, has some stupid rules. And and um, first of all, stealing signals in both leagues is legal, remains legal in both leagues. However, in college football, it is illegal to send somebody to scout an opponent, upcoming opponent's games. Likewise, you can't film anything at those games. Um, and I guess there's some guy that's tied to Michigan that's bought tickets for all these games and had sent fans there to both be there and also film them with, with his phone. Um, but they can see the TV copies. They can see the all 22s at the drop of a hat, but they can't have anybody in person at a game. Like I said, it's stupid. So just like the NFL with Spygate, they never made the overarching offense, stealing signals illegal. You can do that to this day, just like to this day, NFL game, NFL teams can still film games. Uh, I've tried to think of a real-world counterpart to this EDC, but I'm I'm having a Gasper-like inability to come up with the right analogy. <laughs> the the Michigan scandal is idiotic, and predictably, like Spygate, it has everybody getting all righteously indignant about the underhanded, diabolical, fiendish way that the Wolverines going about doing something that's perfectly legal. And just like the Patriots, the Wolverines have enough enemies to give this controversy controversy some real legs. So Jim Harbaugh has pleaded ignorance to the claims, which also seems highly suspicious given how many people, games, and tickets uh, are involved. At the very least, he seems like a hypocrite, not unlike his brother, John, uh, employing the uh, sneaky tackle eligible plays in the 2015 opener after he bitched about the Patriots borderline illegal, unquote, tackle eligible plays in the 2014 divisional game. So let's call this scandal out for what it is. Stupid, just like Spygate. But let's also note that Harbaugh is full of shit. <laughs> well said, Dan. Dan's final thoughts is sponsored by Matt Chatham's Rub Smoke Love. And we're going to give Dan a parting gift of some gold bark for that terrific final thought. Scartelli, uh, as we mentioned previously, is the purveyor of the sports junk draw. He is at Pat Scartell. Our shared website venture that is 99.5% Scartelli's is the 15net.com. Dan is at Patriots Daily. Brother John is at That John Irons. My name is Mike Irons. Thank you for listening to Entitled Town. And I'd like to remind you, get your follower account up, playboy. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team. And don't forget to turn off your radios. <laughs>